Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. This is it, my friends. My most favorite season of the year has started. Lent. I know that's really hard to believe as someone who got so excited about Godete Sunday and joy with all the pink that I donned, but it's true. This is my favorite season of the whole year. This incredible season, or really journey, of 40 days, or 46 if you include Sundays, when we get to examine our faith life and have a period of preparation before we celebrate Jesus' resurrection at Easter. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand if this is not the season that you need right now. It's a hard one. Starting off by considering the most difficult of concepts, beginning with Ash Wednesday, as we name that we all came from dirt, and we're all ending up being that same dirt. Isn't the brightest, most sunshine, flowers, and rainbows kind of topic to start any time with? But this season does quickly cut to the chase. It pushes away all unnecessary aspects of life or sometimes petty things that just take up too much room in our heads. Lent tells us that we are called to reflect on our lives and on our relationships with God and each other and reminds us again that we are beloved children of God. This Lent during our worship, our adult education hour, and our Lenten devotional, we will get down to those bare essentials through the theme of conversations. We will look at some particular conversations as we journey with Jesus to Jerusalem, the cross, and ultimately the resurrection. We will delve into some of the conversations that Jesus had on his way to Jerusalem and note where our conversations with God and each other run parallel with those that Jesus had with various people along his journey. Let's dive into one of those conversations now. This one is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Hear the word of the Lord. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. 
he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly God, as we consider this conversation, May we be reminded that we are forever in a continual conversation with you and your son. In his name we pray. Amen. There is a saying that I love that many artists say, including one artist I know on a very personal level, Woody, (laughs) regarding how long it takes them to create a work of art. There's a story about this. A woman approached the world-famous Pablo Picasso in a restaurant and asked him if he would scribble something on a napkin for her. She said she would be more than happy to pay whatever he felt it was worth. Picasso complied, created a small drawing on the napkin there at the table, and then said to her, that will be $10,000. The woman was astonished and replied, but that, you did that in 30 seconds. No, Picasso said. It has taken me 40 years 
to do that. I couldn't agree with you more, Mr. Picasso. To every encounter, act, work, and conversation, we bring with us more than only our simple response. Whether that response is a 30-second drawing or a conversation, we bring the hours, months, and years of work that came before that moment. With everything we do, we carry so much more than only the choice of words we use, which, don't get me wrong, that's very important too, but there is so much more we carry with us into all that we do and say. But today, before we even get to the conversation part, the words part, I want us to consider those things that we bring to the conversation, the underlying meaning behind those words and what we are really saying. In this text, the rich man asks how he can inherit eternal life, to which Jesus replies, you have to give up everything, and goes on with further explanation to the disciples after the defeated, grieving man walks away. The part, though, that I want to focus on is the subtext of the conversation. While the man asks one thing, there is a bigger overarching question that he is asking here. And with that question, he brings with him a lot. He brings a number of possessions, his relationships, his experiences, his hurts, and his worry about what would happen if he were to let go of everything. He may want to ask, what if this place you're asking me to go to, Jesus, isn't a safe place? What if I get hurt? What if I regret it? How will I feel if I can't get what I had before when I need it? It's worrisome, right? It's a lot to make such a huge decision. I know it is, and I know you all know it is. Every big leap of faith and life-changing decision is, and there is a whole lot more happening up here with all those questions swirling around in our head than maybe we even care to voice. There may be an even bigger question back there that we don't even know is. The well-known poet and writer T.S. Eliot said we need in our world what are called major and minor poets. Major poets talk about the broader world, the big picture. While minor poets work with particular people in particular contexts. In the Bible, Elijah or Isaiah, for example, are major poets. The minor poets are you and me. Using the beautiful work of those major poets to figure out what to do in our own little corner of the world. 
Reverend Dr. Craig Barnes, who is the former president of Princeton Seminary, often spoke about and wrote a book on this concept of pastors as minor poets, yet it applies to all of us. In one of his classes, he described how a minor poet is a metaphor, not an actual title, but an effort to interpret the subtext of our community. We, the minor poets, peer beneath the surface of those with whom we each interact and find that there is much more there under the surface. To be called to our collective ministry means we have been given this gift. Barnes notes that good poetry never describes the text describes the subtext. Writing a poem about a tree and its bark is pretty boring. If you write about the subtext, though, the tree sees new life, such as a person developing a relationship with this great old tree. Playing and climbing the tree as a young child sitting underneath it, reading every day as they grow up. Later, maybe proposing to a spouse under that tree, and then bringing a child even to the tree, only to one day never return again. This is the subtext of the tree, It is all the people and things that the tree carries with it and the meaning behind those things. As we learn to be better communicators, better listeners of subtext, let's ask the questions. What is the message of our tree? What is the holy subtext surrounding our collective conversations? In the end, our lives are limited, and the ultimate subtext of our story, spoiler alert, is that we are beloved. So how will we get beyond the extra stuff, the bread and butter waiting on the table, the drinks, the appetizers, and get to that main course? Let's get to the heart of what this conversation with Jesus and this man is even about in the first place. In our text, when Jesus talks about A camel, a needle, and possessions, is that really what he's talking about? In fact, it is what is behind those things that really matter. Indeed, we are called to take reality seriously, but our faith tells us to figure out the portal to the subtext underneath. Is the man, in fact, asking Jesus, do you love me? Do you have my back? To which the text says Jesus looks at him, and it says he loved him. 
When he then talks with the disciples, he declares that all things are possible. The maybe bigger message may be pointing to the subtext of the story. As we consider what the subtext of our conversations with each other and with God is, what does it all boil down to? Often love, maybe acceptance, compassion, care, usually big ideas, big subtext. While this young man asks one thing and Jesus responds with another, what is the deeper issue here? In some ways, yes, we might be guessing to get at that topic. In the conversations we have, we too are guessing about what each other is saying. You really want to ask, come on, what are you really worried about? Just tell me. So you ask other questions. How are you feeling? What's going on? While reality, the facts are important, there is something more substantial, potentially more vital at the heart of the conversation. As minor poets, we do not do brain surgery. We do not build bridges. When these realities, the facts, happen, it is the minor poet's job to make sense of things. What do you want? What does the person we are talking with need? Now, reality is real. We have real problems. We are not denying that as subtext searchers. Whether we need money, healing from illness, more sleep, less work, or more time doing the things that we love, that's all very real. Those are all real things to talk about and to worry about, and yes, we try to work at as best we can. But beyond the facts, this subtext is still back there, which is what we delve into in order to understand and truly care for each other. What does that person we are speaking with really want? They might say they want you to do something. They might smile their best cheesy smile they can put on their face and say, oh, I'm doing great. Or they might say something hurtful or confusing or maybe just dumb. But when you peel back the layers of their words, when you listen to their tone Look in their eyes, observe their body language. Is there something more there? Indeed, there is much unsaid in our scriptures conversation. It is the unsaid things, the subtext, that often matters the most. Not that we need to read each other's minds, but we need to acknowledge the subtext is back there. Jesus loved this man. Jesus names him beloved 
in his own mind. Oh, how this man wants to be loved, but struggles to let it all go and follow Jesus. It is this subtext that helps us acknowledge how we too have a difficult time giving everything up. For when Jesus calls us on this journey towards the cross, only God can know what we truly want. But we can listen better. Acknowledge the metaphorical bags, boxes, and moving trucks that follow each of us so that we can hear. To search for the subtext in each other and to give each other grace. Grace and trust that we are all just trying to meander our way through. Reminding us that God completes us. God completes our wants. God listens, and so we too are called to listen and search for the subtext of our conversations. To listen with care. To search for meaning. To not ignore the undertone of the conversation, but take the time to be quiet and deeply listen. To remind each other that indeed we are beloved. You are each beloved. We each carry with us our subtext. Now we are called to take that with us and listen with love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.